Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Hello, welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. Thanks to all of you who have been listening in and giving feedback. Keep it coming, it's great for me, but it's also really great for our guests to have their mahi affirmed. Today is part two of my kōrero with Manny Cox. If you haven't heard part one, I would recommend going and having a listen to that first, as we build a bit on that here. So in part two of this discussion, we begin with the light topic, Did God make a mistake when he made me? We also spend some time looking at the social view of disability. What is it that actually disables people? We touch again on healing and Manny's experiences of people who were well-meaning but are still hurtful, as well as touching again on healing in general. We also talk about inclusive spaces. What needs to change to make our spaces more welcoming for all? It's another rich and thoughtful corridor. This is episode 16 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Manny Cox. But the world tells us that if you're different, it's bad. And our brokenness means we fear. And we're ashamed of people because of our difference. So we bring that broken, fearful, shame-filled understanding Understanding of difference into the way we think about disability. And that is the way the world is. And as Christians, we haven't critiqued that enough. See, one thing that we've chatted about in the past that I've always found really inspiring or really challenging maybe both of those things at the same time, is the question around uh, that, that you've had to wrestle with of did God make a mistake when he made me? Do you want to just speak a little bit into that journey for you? The, or a journey for people with disabilities in general, I guess, mm. that, that that's something that, that uh, they might wrestle with that some of us might not? I think... One of the things for me is uh, there's a question um, about is disability tragic? Mm. And for many people the automatic answer is why of course it is. Mm. But but that that comes out of a model and a way of understanding what it means to be right and and whole Mm. that says to be normal, to be like everybody else 
is the way that God created us to be. The way that God wants us to be. And again, that's putting language, theological language, if you like, around a common um, way of seeing the world in the West, that to have bodies which are like everybody else, is somehow normal and that normal means it means good so to have a different body so to speak is bad and for me I look back at Genesis 1 the way that passage is structured, it's, it's like a poem that keeps on repeating mm. ideas and words and phrases sort of in a rhythm. Yeah. And um, the first most common phrase it was, that's in there is, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. The second most common phrase is each in their own kind, each in their own kind, each in their own kind. And that suggests to me that diversity is an integral part of God's good creation. And so to be different isn't of itself bad. Yeah. Difference can be good. It can be bad. It can be everything in between. And one of the resources and challenges of Christianity is to understand difference in a nuanced way. But the world tells us that if you're different, it's bad. And and our brokenness means we fear and we're ashamed of people because of our difference. So, So we bring that that broken, fearful, shame-filled understanding of difference into the way we think about disability. And that, that is the way the world is. And, And as Christians, we haven't critiqued that enough. We haven't thought through that enough, so we perceive disability as bad, Mm. and therefore we think of of um, did God make a mistake? Um, And I'm not. I one thing I want to be clear about. I'm not saying all disability is good. Mm. 
Nor am I saying that people don't suffer because of disabilities. Disability can be a very difficult experience, both for the individual and for those who love them. And I believe we need to hold that with compassion and warmth and hold those people that way too. Mm. But what I am saying is the assumption that when we see disability, we see something bad. Mm is a problematic assumption. Yeah. And for me, that goes to the question of did God make a mistake? Mm. If we automatically see disability as bad, then that's a life question. Yeah. But... If we see disability as part of the diversity of the world, and some and much of that diversity is good, then perhaps people with different bodies can in fact be part of that good creation. And then the question becomes, if that is in fact part of what God intended for them, how do we work in the church so that it can be as hospitable, as welcoming, uh, creating a sense of belonging for everyone in their diversity? Mm. out of respect for what God is doing in his diverse creation. Mm. And for me, that means, I think Paul said it best, when he um, told the church, that they need to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. The church needs to let these assumptions go and be with people where they're at and love them where they're at. And, And not assume that because someone has a disability, they're in the mourn with those who mourn category. No. Because they very well may not be. Uh, or, or they may have parts of their life that they mourn. Yeah, right. I mean, I remember I was 36 when I got married. And for me, singleness was a was mm. a loss, yeah. as it is for many people. For others, singleness is 
how the life has transpired and how God created them all. And, and I don't want to deny that. But for others, it's hard. Mm. And I was one of those people. Mm. I think and that's really important too, to, you know, when, when we're talking about people with disabilities, the disability is not the thing that defines them. No. It's not like they don't have other things going on in life. No, no. Uh, yet it's really easy for those of us who haven't got the same physical challenges yes, yes. To, to look at you in your wheelchair and go, well, I know what, what problems you yeah, go through. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yet, actually, we don't. Not, no. not without relationship. No. You know, not without actually getting to know you and finding, yeah. finding out yeah. what are your challenges in life. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, some of the things we think are a challenge are actually the things that liberate you. Um, yeah. Like your wheelchair. You yeah. Know, so yeah. I think that's, but, that's super But important. also, we can, can have the same challenges. Totally. Yeah. And griefs and, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's actually something that we've bonded over is, is our journey through depression. Yeah. And and that we've both struggled with things and checked in on each other at different yeah. times. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, you're right. I think it's... It's really important that we don't judge people by what we see, yeah. regardless of whether it's a disability or a colour yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that relationship is mm. central to mm. the way that we interact with people. Mm. Um, one of the other things that revolutionised my thinking around disability was hearing you talk about the social view of disability. For those of you who don't know about it, can you just give us a little bit of insight into what the social view of disability is and um, what that might mean theologically in terms of how we as a church operate. The, um, the social view of disability argues that people can have different bodies, but it is not those bodies which disable us but it is society around us who put barriers in our way. Um, and, and so, for example, if I'm out and about in my wheelchair and there's a flight of stairs, that's a barrier to me. Mm. Or, or if I'm um, going into a government agency and the only way they have to fill in a form is with a pen and, mm. and I physically find writing extremely difficult, that is a barrier to me. Mm. Now, you can make a different form or ramps can be put in to remove those barriers. Even better is to go right back to the way you design your spaces yeah. and think, how are we going to design them for everyone? Yeah. But sometimes we don't have that luxury of retrospective mm. design and we've got to uh, uh, just work with what we've got but 
But basically the social model is saying that it is the barriers around a person created by a society that cause disability. Mm. And these barriers might be physical, but they might be attitudinal. Mm. Um, uh, uh, if, and in a theological sense, if you, if there's a church that has a very strong view of God healing, and that is something they preach on regularly, and they don't have a sense that of God might not do that for his good reasons, and we are in fact in a time where God isn't bringing in his kingdom fully. So if they don't have that theology, then always preaching on healing, and always when you go out for prayer, for that for the expectation to be that you're going up to ask for healing. Mm. That can be a barrier to Mm. people. Yeah. And also the way we interpret scripture. I remember being in a church and... Um, the pastor who was a friend from when I studied with gave a talk and uh, the translation he was using had um, the word invalid to describe a disabled person. And invalid is really... uh, no good word now because of the way it breaks up to say a person is invalid. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but anyway, he was saying, you know, I really like the word because it says nobody is invalid before Christ. I got his point. But I went up to him and said, actually, no, that wasn't a good way to put it Mm. because of what it means for disabled people. Mm. And he was incredibly apologetic. He understood my point. Mm. I understood his. There was no relational issue there. Actually, a relationship such that he didn't mind a little bit of pushback. But but that's a real example of how our language can create barriers that are unnecessary Mm. barriers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like I say, I found that when I first heard you talk about it revolutionary and caused me to think about, well, what do I do? What do I say? Yeah. That can be barriers for people. That, yeah. that can disable people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that can even go beyond people with physical disabilities. Yes. You know, yes. that, that goes to anybody. 
that actually there are things that we do that disable other people mm. um, and stop their inclusion. And there are ways that we can include those people um, if we actually just think about the language we use and the, yeah. the oh. actions that we take. Can I give you another example? And this is maybe a little controversial. But over the last 10 or 15 years, 20 years even, there has been a move in some versions of the Bible to use gender-inclusive language. So, um, so not to not to talk about humanity as a whole in terms of men or men, but to talk about humanity and that sort of thing. Um, And I always use those versions, well, 99%, and when I don't, I don't use problematic texts. But but I use them because A, I don't want to create barriers for 50% of the population. (laughs) And B, I actually think it's theologically right Mm. that, that what God is doing, he's doing for everyone. And and therefore, if I think that, why then use the Bible that obscures that reality? Mm. Yeah, and that in the past, people have used male-dominated language to mean all people. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we have to now. No, mm. no. Yeah, I even remember one... Because when I heard you first talk about it, it was in a, a class that you were teaching at Laidlaw. And I remember one guy having a think about it and saying, so if if someone has the social view of disability, would they consider you offering to pray for healing for them offensive? And I remember you just sitting there and thinking about it and then said, maybe. And And you could just see all these minds exploding all <laughs> over the room going actually this this changes the way we we see things yeah. because for those of us whose bodies have more physical ability yeah. it's easy to look at people whose bodies don't mm. and like we said before and and see that the main issue is physical healing mm. um, have you had experiences where people have assumed that you want physical healing and they don't have the relationship with you they haven't talked to you about that they just assume that you want that? I remember being at a large gathering, a parachute gathering, mm. um, and um, somebody came up to me who I didn't know, who d- I don't think even asked my name, mm. and began praying for me, and pushing me out of my wheelchair, telling me to stand up and walk Um, without even knowing at me Mm. and claiming that authority. 
and and I just yeah that that to me uh, yeah it, what do you do with that? <laughs> uh, on one level, I understood it because before that time, I'd looked at. The medical model, which looks at people first, as in terms of their impairment, in terms of their body, and sees mm. that that is the most important thing. Yeah. That God, that that is wrong. That if we want to help a person with a disability, we either mitigate their impairment or we seek cure. Mm. So I understood that. But it, no, I was offended by it mm. because it, they didn't get to know me. They mm. didn't get, they just assumed that because of the way I looked I needed this. Yeah. Um yeah. I, one of the paradoxes of healing prayer can be that it comes out of a medical model yeah. of disability even though these people may see their healing as circumventing medicine if yeah. you like yeah, it's, yeah. yeah well um I think one of the things that once I understood that social view of disability, I think you're right about it affects the way that we read scripture. You know, I, yeah. I realized that I'd been reading scripture through that medical model. And now in going back and reading the healing stories of Jesus, I can see his heart that people aren't excluded. Mm, mm. Uh, his heart that people are in community. Mm, mm. Um, and... So actually in healing their physical disability, mm. he was restoring them to community because of the prejudices of society. Yeah. And that was one thing that he could do to restore mm. that person mm. into that space. Mm. Mm. Whereas yeah. previously I'd looked at it and gone, the physical healing was the yeah. main thing. Yeah. Like that was what he was after. Yeah. But now I wonder if actually there's a lot more going on there. Yeah. And I think there always is um, two things I want to say. I want to regard those passages generously and the fact that in that space, in that context, physical healing was the appropriate way to mm -hmm. bring liberation to that person. Yeah. Um, and, and Jesus was working in a way that advanced his kingdom for them where they were at. Mm. And now that we've got things like the social model, mm. It doesn't mean that we turn around and reject those mm -hmm. passages. Yeah. Christ wanted us them there to show him bringing the kingdom to this world. Yeah. But it 
But this new way of understanding disability should give us pause mm. to say, huh, is that the only way we should bring the kingdom? Mm. Is that the best yeah. way we should bring the kingdom? Mm. Um, you know, how else? Mm. might creating an inclusive space look within our churches for all people. Mm. And how is that bringing the kingdom? Mm. So for me, um, creating an inclusive space, yes, if you've got the opportunity to build a church, mm. build a universal design. Yeah. Um, if uh, because that is the way that the church structurally can can dismantle barriers. Mm. But. I think that's only just scratching the surface. All that is doing is saying this is a place that you can come to. This is a place that everybody can come to. Mm -hmm. It's relationship that that creates... that creates a space of welcome and belonging. Yeah. And so in relationship is is both how we are and how what we believe, but it's also how we act yeah. towards each other. Mm. And that's part of the role of the teaching and ethos of a community and oh. and I actually believe the, the gold standard of creating a welcoming space for people with disabilities is creating a welcoming space for everyone. Yeah. Where everyone can be themselves. Where everybody can come to know God in their diversity and his love in their diversity. And yet be challenged. And yet experience the reality that God wants to liberate and and heal and restore and transform each one of us. And sometimes that transformation process will be a challenging process. And And an inclusive space in a church is able to hold people in those challenging spaces in a way that doesn't 
removed the challenge of the spirit in their life. But says, you're still welcome. You're still part of God's family here. And we love you. And just as there are times when I, as much as I love my son Nate, there will be times when I say no. And he'll get upset when I say no. And I know the best thing for him is to stay strong and not give in to the... Why, Dad? But actually, stay strong. As a church, we'll do that and let people sit in the challenges. But we'll be aware enough of the Spirit to know when those challenges actually come from God. And when they don't. And we'll be able to name that. So, you know, actually, you don't need to carry that stuff. A Christian might have said, you need, you don't, you're not healed because you don't have to be, have enough faith. You don't need to carry that. God's bigger than that. Trust God's faithfulness. And that in itself, trusting God and really surrendering to God is difficult for everyone. And, And I don't believe we should... I don't believe creating the, an inclusive church reduces the challenge of the gospel, mm. but it does transform it. Yeah. What a beautiful note to finish on. Thank you so much for your mm. wisdom, um, your insight, your experiences, and uh, just for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah. And We wish you well for the rest of your study and look forward to seeing all the fruit that comes from that. So, yeah, thanks for what you do to bring a bit of heaven down to earth, Manny. Thank you. I don't believe creating an inclusive church reduces the challenge of the gospel, but it does transform it. What a beautiful sentiment to end on. And that sums up so well the heart of what Manny has shared with us over these past two episodes. As I listened back to this corridor, I was taken with how this discussion is about far more than disability. It's about the good news of Jesus. To bring freedom, liberation, community, wholeness. To have a community who would represent all of that in the way that they do life. It's about shedding the dominant culture lenses that we might see the world through and recognising that this world is extremely diverse by God's design, and the church should represent that diversity, in terms of race, disability, sexuality, 
or anything else that could be seen as different or other. I think Manny hits the nail on the head when he says creating a welcome space for people with disabilities is about creating a welcome space for everyone, where everyone can be themselves. What can you do in the spaces you occupy to become more welcoming, more inclusive? Is it something physical? Is it something attitudinal? So thanks Manny for your whakaro, for your wisdom, for your vulnerability in sharing your experiences, and for your challenge to us around theology, hope, and disability. And thanks for what you do to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Thanks to Ignition Systems for their support, and thanks to you all for listening. I'd love you to connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at, at downtoearth.conversations on both, or head to downtoearthconversations.com for podcasts, blog posts, and contact details. Next time, I talk to Kaz Todd Pearson, a New Zealander in Philadelphia, who works as the director for The Simple Way, a community initiative seeking to love those in their community. It's another inspirational and challenging episode, so join me for that. Until then, me inoi tato. E to matau matua i te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, mūro mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga, e hara nā kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawia, kia whakawaia, e ngari whakorangia mātou i te kino. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.